Hello and welcome into another episode of Podcast 63. It is Season 5, Episode 23. Uh, this week, it will be a uh, episode about two new additions, one player, one coach. Uh, and before that, though, we're going to talk about a couple of the coaches that we have seen come and go at Loyola. Uh, sadly, we are saying goodbye to Pat Wallace and to Amora Morgan. So we will kind of give them a little uh, swan song or sayonara or however you want to say it, but uh, we'll, we'll chat about them a little bit as well. So, uh, Lou, how has your last two weeks gone, and what do you think of all the, the roster and staff shakeup so far? Yeah, a lot of movement. Again, maybe that's that's just the offseason, right? You, you wait two weeks and two changes, right? Uh from co- two coaches and then a new coach and new player. So a lot of twos. But, yeah, again, that's kind of what you expect in the offseason. God forbid we see a schedule get put out. That <laughs> won't be, I think, until the day before uh, with the game. But, yeah, again, roster shakeup, um, both player and personnel, what you're definitely going to see. Um, but excited for what Drew's trying to shape up. Yeah, we will uh, We will definitely be patiently waiting that schedule drop. Uh, don't hold oh, your I'm breath, I'm done though. patiently waiting. West Virginia, we, we talked about this offline. West Virginia just posted theirs. Come on, guys. How yeah. quick do you do it? Let's be number two. West Virginia posts theirs first. Let's let's be second. That would be something. <laughs> no, but, yeah, we will talk about that and I'm sure ramble about a lot more. So stick with us and don't forget, always remember, go Blurs. He jumps. He passes out to Hunter. Hunter shoots off the rim. Rouse gets the scores. It's over. It's over. We won. We won the ball game. Viola won the ball game. Oh, we won 60-58. And we are back. Um, let's start with the, the two coaches that we are waving goodbye and saying thank you to Amora Morgan and Pat Wallace. Um, Pat Wallace is going to Iona. Um, he is following, or he is going to be coaching under the previous coach at FDU, and of course now I'm blanking on his name. So Lou, Tobin you, Anderson. Thank you. There Anderson. you go. Yep. Uh, he will be coaching under Tobin Anderson, which good for him. I think that's a great step. I mean, he's kind of. Uh, I think he's kind of an East Coast guy, so that's that's good for him. Um, and then Amora Morgan is going to be going to Cal Berkeley, uh, which is a great school, a great location. I don't know if you can really beat Berkeley, California, and that's coming from someone who you know is infatuated with chicago um but berkeley hey, it's is cool it's cooler by the lake if you didn't know it's it is cooler by the lake. it's cooler by the lake they are aren't they like on the ocean too isn't berkeley i think berkeley's on the water if i'm not with the like the pacific ocean i could be wrong um uh, just well, making we've now here. turned into a geography uh, <laughs> um. yeah um let's let a quick quick quiz name all 50 capitals that's what this podcast has become you're no. one of those that studied that growing up. Oh yeah, I was like third in my class. I'm almost positive. Like it was, I think second grade, maybe third grade. Oh yeah, I was. I, I knew the songs. I knew the, the little. I think there's a dance that went along with it. Yeah. Oh lord. Well, there's no dancing uh, to be on any of those stabs. But again, no. I think like, we've talked about this, right? Um, th- it really wasn't uh, too much dancing for them uh, around like coaching portals, um, mm-hmm. th- their own transfer portal. They had connections. Um, we found that Pat knows Tobin. Uh, maybe that's even why FDU was on her schedule. So that was um, interesting. And then Amaro, honestly, there were rumors of him becoming a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that kind of more 
kind of buttoned up and thinking he'd become a head coach. So, and funny enough, I even saw he retweeted the school people kept putting his name up for was Nickel State. I actually saw that he retweeted uh, the coach who got it. Um, so, yeah, again, I think both guys are one. Uh, how, how do I say this? I think we, we talked about it in other kind of areas. Pat, I think, is just moving up um, the ranks on a team, right? He's he's going from, again, he we've had him for a while. He's gone from GA to uh, to assistant coach, and now I think a, a top assistant coach at a program. And then tomorrow, I think, honestly, I think he's trying to prove himself at maybe a bigger program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just kind of the formula some guys want to take. Um, nothing wrong with that. Uh, again, you tip your cap. Um so who knows, right? But um, very interesting. Again, Pat, I think we talked about this, right? He had been here at least three years, um, mm-hmm. came to us from Northwestern, so quite some time. Um, again, I, I think, Pat, I don't really, and Buck, you can correct me, I don't really know his, his exact key role um, in like his as an assistant, but I know he was been part of the program as part of Drew's staff, right? Um, and as well as Porter's, right? Wasn't He, he was with Porter, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of great uh, things he's seen. But Amaro, though, we've been told, like, recruiter, right? So, such a strong recruiter, such um, kind of that go-to guy um, mm-hmm. for that. And um, so I think he's going to take those talents, absolutely. So, um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things t- uh, for them. But, again, we wish them nothing but the best and appreciate their time uh, spent in Rogers Park. Yeah, I, um, you know about uh, you were you were saying just now. Oh my gosh, and now I'm forgetting. But oh, about about Pat and like what his specialty was. I think Kevin said Kevin Sweeney, our good buddy Kevin, uh, had mentioned that P Dub was like the main like offensive guy from from what we can t- like tell. I think he even said that Drew or maybe the coaches or the rather the players called Pat Wallace something like. Um, there's some football coach they use to like describe him. I think the guy at, at Kansas City. I can't remember their offense coordinator, but there's some like football reference there. And so I P Dub was I think the main like uh, offensive guy, um, and I, he'll be great I think at Iona. Um, and then the other thing uh, that Kevin Sweeney said that I, I found really interesting um, was that he was talking about what the industry thinks of Loyola coaches, right? Like this is a big um, indicator that just college basketball in general think very highly of Loyola coaches. Uh, you know, you get a guy who's was a, was a video coordinator three years ago, two years ago, whatever. Um, and now he is the head assistant at Iona. Like that's, that's a huge step. Um, and then, you know, with Morgan, like going to a big school, albeit they haven't had success for a while, but still, a big school um, from Loyola, like that's a that's a jump as well. So um, I think it just goes to prove that Loyola's coaching is in a good place. Um, and just because we had one not so great year, that uh, the coaches are still pretty darn good. Uh, and and I think we're 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 in the right place. And I think Drew's the right guy to steer the ship. Um, and we still got one guy left, Sean Dwyer, who uh, you know I think Sean's been a big. Uh, Big proponent for those Ohio guys, um, Phil Alston, and now Des Watson. I think uh, I think Dwyer's been big on that, so we're excited to have Dwyer still here. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of all I have on the outgoing coaches. But if you have anything else, like feel free. No, I think no, I think um, let's just continue on with uh, you mentioned Drew's uh, 
steering the ship still, right? He's our captain. He's our leader. And um, he went to work, like we said, um, to, if we continue coaching here. He found a spot. Um, now, Buck, um, do you happen to know the name uh, Clayton Custer? I just was curious. You know, so it does ring a bell. Before. Yeah, isn't okay. he uh, Isn't he that guy that's on, like, the I, front of the cereal box? No, he, you know, he's the guy who went to high school with Ben Richardson. That's who he Oh, um, I do know Ben Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. No, as we kid here, though, um, a welcome home party for Clayton Custer. Uh, Clayton Custer, as many of we know, uh, and for any new listener, um, Clayton Custer helped uh, kind of lead the charge um, to our Final Four run in 2018. Of course, he is uh, one of one of our few many famous shots um, up against Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great hire for a guy that is looking to continue um, in the coaching ranks. Again, left from uh, Loyola staff to go to Oklahoma with Porter. Um, and again, I think that makes total sense, uh, why he left to go there, um, just to get again, more continued experience. Um, but now even not just more experience, he's, he's become an assistant coach. It's not, oh, he's kind of back office or anything. He's going to be on the court, um, helping with drawing up plays and also scouting. Right. So it's a big move, absolutely big move. And again, Buck, I'd love to hear your side of it. I think we're just ecstatic. I think it's a good fit. Um, and kind of a good niche uh, of what's going on with our coaching staff. Yeah, I think it. I think it's well deserved. Um, you know, I did write the the article that I posted at A Ten Talk that shared a lot of my a lot of my thoughts. But I think one of the major points is that it's not just that he played at Loyola. Like he's earned a role on a staff. And if he would have been hired at Northern Iowa or you know Dayton or I don't know Bonnie's or something like that, like. It would make sense. Like, he had a year at Loyola on a very successful team with Porter um, and then uh, went to the Big 12 and had two years at Oklahoma and had that experience of being in a big program under a, again, very successful coach in Porter. Um, and, you know, I think it was his time. It was it was time for him to make a jump, for him to kind of um, go out on his own. Like, I, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye if he stayed at Oklahoma and was an assistant coach there. Like, I think that would have made sense too. Um, so yeah, I, I just think in general, this makes sense. I'm happy that it's at Loyola because obviously like, I think Clay's the, the man, like he's the floor general, the OG general. Um, so yeah, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna have a great, um, growth at Loyola be able to be in a place you already know all the facilities you already know all the people you know all the the you know the bus routes and the L routes and how to drive to campus and all that kind of stuff like there's no awkward stage he can just come back and get to work and like yeah I think that's that's pretty cool no I think to your point right some might people be like well wasn't he on the staff already right at Loyola what's the difference so well two things uh one his head coach his boss was Porter Moser, and that's not his boss right now. His boss is, I guess you could say, fellow coach and fellow coworker Drew Valentine. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was back with Loyola, he was, um, I don't want to say just, right? He was the team's director of player development, um, which is kind of, uh, it's it, in between between graduate assistant and, like, director of basketball operations, right? You'll see personnel guys, young guys that are trying to make an impact on a staff, but necessarily can't hold one of the three um one of the three assistant coaching spots. So um, now I think, like you said, I really love your point. It, it's it's a deserved spot. Um, I also do think personally it's always good to have a young uh, former player, um, regardless if it's a foreign player from your program. 
or um, a foreign player um, just part of your team. Um, it's one of those things that it's just like really nice to have a young guy. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think um, overall um, it's a really exciting one, right? Who I'm smiling talking about it. I don't know about you, Buck, but like <laughs> it's one of those things that's like, damn, this is pretty cool, right? Like you're seeing it now again. Do we want to? I, I don't want to now put my head in the clouds, but do we want to talk about like expectations? Do you have anything like that, or is yeah. it more of a like? Because it yes, it is a reunion and it's nice. Um, but honestly, we, we all do want to see productivity, right? So, but what, what would be, I guess, and again, I, I personally think, right? Like clay out of all people can talk about being a point guard, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And talking about what now, again, who isn't to say Pat Wallace or no, I get that. Or even Sean, uh, but it's like clay honestly was wearing a Jersey four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, the game is, is somewhat changed. Maybe a little bit. You could say we had a COVID year. But he knows what's going on. So I think right away an easy impact that I hopefully see is working with guards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a great example, just because I had some insight to it, is he had a lot of time spent with Brian Mullins during his tenure uh, with Clay playing at Loyola. So I know mm-hmm. him and Brian would always work together, right? And there were things personally that Brian had maybe better as a player than Clay had. And that's always like, you can talk about defense, but, but then Clay might've been a better offensive guard. Right. So there are things that guys are going to learn from their coaches, especially guys who have played um, whether in the league or at that school. Right. So I think it's really interesting. And again, I don't want to compare Clay to uh, Brian Mullins and say, he's going to go coach at one of his alma maters (laughs) in a few years. But I think it is something special to have a coach on staff who can, and again, I'm assuming Clay looks in good shape and everything that like could maybe go ball and be something that they can pr- practice with. I think that's a really cool hindsight for me to really look at. Um, yeah. And uh, who knows? He might be working on scout team. I don't know. There's so many possibilities, but I think again, we're smiling. We're ecstatic here, Buck. What, what is mm-hmm. your side to this, uh, to this chapter? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the main thing for me, what he brings, like you said, player development, point guard play, guard play in general. Um, but the other thing, I mean, we talked about it just the last time we were on the podcast, and that is that I think Loyola and Drew Valentine really want to return to what uh, made them successful in the past, in the, in the Final Four, and Sweet 16, and the last time they made the tournament, all those years of uh, patient play on offense, finding the next open guy, hard-nosed defense, taking care of the ball, um, you know, those are just, and, and, and hitting open shots when you get them. Like that, that was the, the Ramblers DNA. And I think they got away from that this year a little bit. And now with the additions to the roster and now the start of the additions to the staff, that is just really evident. Like, I, I, I just don't think there's any way around that now. Like adding a guy who uh, was the leader of that team was the player of the year, the year they went to the final four. Um, and that's what he was good at. Like he didn't force shots. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't like, he didn't play selfish. Um, he played pretty, you know, solid defense. At least he wasn't a liability on defense, especially at the point guard position was able to switch with some guys, uh, you know, maybe one through three. So yeah, I just, you know, that uh, expectations are tough because it's always like, you know, what does one coach bring to the staff, right? Like how does, how does one coach Mm -hmm. change the equation? Um, uh, but yeah, I'm curious if maybe he had any connections, he established any connections in Norman while he was there. See if maybe, you know, once, you know, maybe next year or, uh, in the next couple years, if we start to see like 
us recruiting out there. We have recruited it in the past with Saint and with Jaden. So maybe maybe there's something there like that we we kind of establish. Um, and then yeah, from player development side, I think just guard play. I think like you said, having someone that's played four years ago add another person to that gold squad. Um, see if he can still hit whatever, what, like 43% of his threes this junior year, whatever that was. Like, you can get out there and pretend he's um, Lynn Greer from St. Joe's. Oh, <laughs> and, easy there. Yeah, easy yeah. There. Easy. But no, I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hesit- hesitantly excited. Excited? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to run down the streets of Sheridan or Broadway, but... Like yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm I'm happy he's back, and it'll be great to see him on the bench. Perfect, perfect. No, yeah, I think um, again, right now it's it's right now formulating what pieces you need to fill, um, and I think this is a really good piece um, added to Drew's staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it just I also think it's an exciting thing to be talking about in the Loyola program, right? Um, definitely. Former players definitely are um, a cool thing to have. Um, but also to have um, former players help make an impact, I think that's even something special. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, um, I think um, any. Do you, I really don't have anything else? Really. I'm just like excited to talk about it. But yeah, no, um, I don't. I'm happy to have him back. Uh, it'll be really kind of surreal seeing him back on the bench. I think the first couple times, like to have him back, that's cool. But. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Clay, welcome back. I hope uh, I hope maybe you got an upgrade to your office. I, I would hope so. so. Ooh, that would be that's that would be maybe like a new chair or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good uh, point. But yeah, um, yeah, that's all I got. I mean, do you want to? Are you good? You want to move to to our the newest member of the of the squad? Yeah, I, I think yeah. So not only is Drew again, like we said, working on filling staff, but we do have a roster. Um, at, mm-hmm. at, before this commit, we had still two more players uh, or scholarship players to find, um, and we found one. Right, Buck, I did, mm-hmm. and did, we kind of went far for this one a little bit personally. I think I didn't. It also mm-hmm. did it come this did it come out of left field for you or no? It did a little bit here. I have a kind of a funny story actually. Yeah, um, me being the like Twitter Instagram detective that I am, and also just nosy in general. Uh, I'm always you know checking uh, coaches' profiles, likes, follows, all that kind of stuff. Um, just the other, I think it was Sunday, maybe Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Dwyer, Coach Dwyer, posted a little video of him and Drew and uh, what looked to be like a player and his family having a meal on the Chicago Riverwalk, which, I mean, it was the perfect day for it on Sunday, and the Riverwalk in Chicago on a 70-degree day, I can totally understand why Greg Dolan committed just a couple days later. Um, But, yeah, so I saw it was him, and it ended up being Greg Dolan and his parents. So I'm trying to, like, go through – shout out to – I think it's Zach Harrington, right? He's the dude who's posted all the the guys that we've been in on uh, as far as, Mm -hmm. like, transfer portal. So I went through his whole list and was like – trying to find a person that looked like the guy in the picture um and yeah there was only like a couple guys that it could even possibly be uh and there but the picture of greg dolan on espn he looks like he's got like black hair or like really dark brown and then in the in the picture with dwyer or the video like it looked like he kind of had like blondish hair so i wasn't 100 percent sure but i started looking i was like okay like the who's this dude from cornell like Oh, okay, like solid, solid numbers, senior, one year left. Like, so I kind of had a, like, a little check on him, but there was no, like, 
posts about him or like there was no write-ups about it or whatever um but yeah i'm I, in general i mean like I, I think this is a solid ad um he was probably the best player on his team last year you know it's tough to say just going off stats because you know we didn't watch uh, a bunch of cornell basketball i'll admit or at least i didn't i i don't know if you did uh, but he did play no. the most minutes. <laughs> yeah, he played nearly 30 minutes a game, leading scorer, uh, leading assist man, second in steals, uh, best three-point shooting percentage. Uh, so, like, it's I think he started every game that he played, all 28. So, um, yeah, dude is, is solid, reliable, shows solid growth every, every year. Um, has only played three seasons. Uh, we, again, you know, kind of getting used to this, but he, in the Ivy League, did not play at all from 2020 to 2021, but is still, unfortunately, only going to be able to play one more season. Um, he did, boo, he, boo, yeah, boo, boo. he took a huge jump uh, this past season. He went from scoring six points a game to over 13 points a game, went from 20 minutes a game to nearly 30 minutes a game. But all of his efficiency numbers, uh, or almost all of his efficiency numbers, went up. I mean, the biggest one, his three-point percentage jumped from from his uh, junior year, second year, I guess we'll say. His second year, he shot 36% from three. This past season, he shot 42.5% from three. So, like, huge jump there. His two-point field goal percentage, or his overall field goal percentage kind of stayed the same. His free-throw percentage stayed the same. So it's that's kind of what you want to see some growth in, in some big areas and and maintaining those efficiency numbers uh, and if he can be just a role player on uh, at Loyola I think those efficiency numbers should probably go up even more so um, I, in general I like this move I'm excited I don't think they're gonna ask him to do too much but if needed in certain scenarios uh, foul trouble or anything like that like. I could see him stepping up and having a big game here and there because he's used to that like large workload. So that's kind of my initial yeah, no. thoughts, but yeah, go for it. Jump in. Yeah. I think again, this is very similar to uh, Dame, right? Um, yeah. Both guys were second team, all Ivy. Um, you maybe could have thought, I thought Greg might've been first team, but again, um, kind of some competition there again, but um, especially Chris Ledlam led. Um, Chris Ledlam also just found out not Ivy League, uh, League Player of the Year. I found that really interesting. But yeah, with our two guys, I think the biggest thing is uh, you see their progression. Um, I think we both, we talked about with Dame, right? They took a massive step up this past season, both Greg and Dame. So to watch Greg's Again, and again, missing a year is so annoying. And it's not even like he played a few games. He missed an entire year. So mm-hmm. to even see the progression each year. Um, but then this past year, just everything nearly doubled. Um, not minutes a game, but nearly that 30-minute threshold. His points went up. Um, again, 42% from three is not too shabby at all. Um, and he's 48 from field goal. But his two-point percent, uh, he doesn't – it's funny because he only maybe – uh, attempted three, uh, not this past year, but the year before. Uh, now he's uh, making three a game, um, and he's averaging 52% from two. Um, 57 the year before, but now I think he's even more comfortable. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really a testament to be like, he is an efficient guy um, scoring, um, and to watch him be able to kind of just even take more of a workload maybe uh, from for Cornell, I think is really impressive. Um, so yeah, I think this is kind of, and I, I don't expect Buck, you can correct me any more Ivy league transfers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just 
put a question kind of at the end there because who knows. Um, but um, I think this is like two solid guys who were kind of getting just to that level um, in their conference and in their teams where it's like I think given another circumstance like Loyola, they can even excel more. Um, now, who knows, right? Uh, playing at the Ivy League, jumping up is also a bit of a difference. So um, we'll also see maybe an adjustment, right? CK took him nearly half a season and then kind of fell into that starting role um, while Ryan kind of naturally just was competing. And then it was like, yeah, no, he should start kind of thing, right? So everyone's a little different. I think, though, we have seen two Ivy League players um, and we've seen how they can make an impact. And I, I don't want to say this is nearly a carbon copy version of those two guys um, coming in. But again, it's a kind of small forward, power forward type player. And Greg Nolan is an efficient shooter. And both that's what um, uh, Ryan and uh, CK were. So I just kind of find it funny. Um, I think that pipeline, you joked about it, but I think I saw when Greg Dolan, yeah. it, it exists. Um, it really does. And again, I thought about this. Uh, I don't want to take it away. Maybe just go into Greg a little bit more and I'll go into this, but Greg's mm. just an efficient guy, Buck. And I really am yeah. excited about that. And honestly, I think, and I'd love to hear about, I think he might take off a workload off of um, yes. Braden. I think that's a big thing. When I saw that, I was like, this is so huge. Because Braden is such a determined leader that he's like, oh, if no one else wants to do it, I'll take the shots that are needed to be taken. And it's like, now it's like, Braden, we got somebody who could hopefully you can lean on a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the hope, right? Having guys, and even maybe some of the guys who are now sophomores, like stepping up. But Greg's a guy who's shown he can step up and hit those shots at efficient rate. Um, and I think that's really important, personally. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be, like, brutally honest here. Like, last year, we thought that guy was going to be Marquise Kennedy, right? Like, yep. taking yeah, the yeah. workload off of off of Braden. And he did show it, especially at the beginning of the year. I think the first, like, five, six games, you know, some. And then the DePaul game as well. And, you know, he's had a couple solid games here and there. But was not consistent, unfortunately, right? Like, we both love Marquise Kennedy. We want him to have success. Like, he's had a lot of success at Loyola, but... That just was the case last year. And and this, I think, with Greg um, is just a, a move to, like, really solidify that role. Um, I could see Dolan starting. That doesn't mean he will. But even if he doesn't, to be a sixth guy, seventh guy off the bench, whatever that might be, like, getting solid minutes both with Braden and also uh, give Braden a little bit of a break, you know, each half, like, Instead of playing 37 minutes, maybe Braden just plays like 32 or 33, right? Until those sort of bigger games down the stretch, obviously. Um, but saving those legs for Braden could be huge, um, especially a guy like Dolan who like has been a successful point guard. Like that—that that is, he was the lead ball handler for for Cornell last year. Um, mm -hmm. Someone that, like you mentioned, can hit shots. And actually, I saw. Now, highlight tape highlight tapes aren't everything but uh i watched one for dolan and there was a lot of you know obviously like catch and shoot threes uh pull up threes stuff like that but um he also what had that Braden sort of uh like float or a fadeaway jump shot in the lane he he has that in his bag um so it'll be kind of fun you might be thinking you're seeing double but uh, it's it's Braden and and Greg just hitting those like little turnaround uh, paint uh, fadeaways I guess so uh, yeah I think he can score in a lot of different ways 
I think him and Dame should be a solid pairing too. Um, I saw a little bit of his game the the times when he wasn't the primary ball handler. He had some some good uh, like to the basket cutting or slashing actions. And Dame seems to be a very uh, willing and able passer. So I would love to see you know guys like Dolan, Phil, Des Watson when he's in there. Ben when he's in there like those type of guys like getting some getting some uh, like backdoor cuts coming off screens maybe like you know Braden sets a screen and pops out for a three while like Dez or Phil rolls to the hoop and then it's like who are you defending you're gonna let Braden have a wide open three are you gonna like let Phil have an open lane to the hoop so um, stuff like that I think Dolan just adds another layer and he's six foot three like he's a big dude this dude is a grown man and not that Marquise wasn't, but to have to have like size to pair with Braden at that at those guard positions, that I think that really will make a difference uh, against you know just to name a couple like the VCU's, the George Masons who have big guards, the Bonaventure. Well, sorry, who have when big you guards. when you mentioned VCU, you're talking about Providence, so you got to be careful there. Um, about what? You're talking about Providence, since everyone from VCU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, them, yeah, for sure. <laughs> No, I I agree. I, I I do want to take. I don't want to lose track of the part. Like I think the the base of this is if we had a healthy Marquise, I think yeah. we'd be saying yep. a different thing. And I also think we'd be having Marquise still on the roster. A healthy 100%. Marquise could easily have competed at the A10 level, hundred yep. percent. There's no he, he might not have been tall like we're saying with Greg, um, or as tall, but he would have been as quick as like I honestly anybody. think a health anybody like a healthy Marquise. You could, and I'm not saying he's at the caliber of Ace, but I'm saying like he could compete with Ace, right? And like on the court, not like in awards or anything like that. I'm just saying Ace Baldwin, Mar- healthy Marquise Kennedy. I do think Marquise Kennedy could compete. Um, yeah. That wasn't the case, and that's just what it is, right? So I agree with your point. I don't know if two inches or I don't know how much of that's going to make a difference. But what I do think what's going to make a difference is that like him or Braden, when we're talking now with Dolan can be the guy who crashes in and then put feeds it out, right? Drives in, push it out, right, to one or the other, or just mm-hmm. get the ball moving, right? Like, it's not going to be just like, oh, Braden's the guy we need to get a shot, and that's the only guy, right? Like, that's kind of what it felt. And even Ben, when Ben got quiet some games, it was like, okay, here's Braden, right? So there has to be that rotation. Um, I do think Greg, though, We'll add a little bit more, uh, again, a healthy Greg. We're going to knock on wood loud here. Mm-hmm. Just add a little bit more. And, again, there's also that little bit of a difference for a player who played nearly a full year last year, started every game, then like a Marquise type of player who, like, was on and off and didn't really play 100%, right? So we're having yeah. Greg who just came off a really strong year for him. Like we said, second team Ivy. And I think that's the type of impact that we're looking for, right? Just to continue that motor. I think right now you're filling a role that we need guys to just fill um, a role, whether it be on the bench, off the bench, however this pans out over the summer, but a guy that can continue what the progress he did last year and go at it, right? Like whether Mm -hmm. he goes from 29 minutes to 25 minutes a game, we still expect efficiency, right? You might see maybe 13 to 8 points a game, right? But just an efficient type of player. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I think Greg obviously can fit in – where any of the guys have fit in right it's not might not be like a 20 point a game night for him every night but there are games where he could i could see him going off taking off the workload right uh, to name games last year right we saw Braden at fordham 
um, struggle a bit, right? Mm-hmm, but then it, mm-hmm. my Saint right Fordham struggled with Fordham, but then went off against St. Joe's, right? Within nearly a week of each other, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think right now Drew's also finding guys that it's really interesting that are nearly complementary to each other, right? So Braden and Greg, Dame and Phil, uh, maybe Desmond mm-hmm. and Shell. I don't know. Also maybe Desmond and Phil just because of high school days, right? So mm-hmm. um, and I think like Jalen and Ben should be that kind of complement duo as well. So I think that's a huge plus um, to, to look at it when you look at these kind of initial rosters that are shaping up here. Um, and again, I'm, I'm just excited overall. But um, I had a one point about a pipeline I wanted to just yeah, chat with you it. about. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I was curious when we talked about jokingly, but then seeing all the tweets about this Ivy League pipeline, right? Have you noticed that the idea of like mid-major top players are going big, going power five? We can even go to the Valley, right? You look at um, yeah. um, Mar- um, uh, oh, Domask, right? Marcus Domask going the, from SIU to, to And Illinois, the big, the big right? from Bradley, too, to, to yeah. Iowa. Or Nebraska, exactly. rather. Yeah, so it's like you're, you're watching these guys go from our level, right, to the next level. Um, and it's more – it's interesting that it's like – well, it, do we have to find our own pipelines, right? Like, we can't yeah. just be, like, giving, uh, like, Ben Cricky going to Iowa from Valpo. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, we can't just be like, yep, just take guys, right? Um, and that's not the case, right? We, we've maybe, A-10 has seen, like, Lynn Greer go from Dayton to St. Joe's, us getting Desmond Watson. But I do think it's something to say about, like, us looking at maybe a lower bit, major, major, lower programs, low major, or right? Um, and being like, hey, let's get the top level guys who want to step up. Now, is it a shame that like Damon, um, Greg only have one year? Yeah, COVID messed that up. Let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I do think it is something to be said now because of honestly, because of the transfer portal. When guys now are are sitting where it's like, I have a year to, I can just transfer. I have one free transfer, and I can use it whenever. So mm-hmm. I think this is, and it's weird to say, but I do think it's a little bit of a shield for Loyola and for the program to be like, we can maybe also kind of cherry pick top players from other conferences that might be lower than ours, but be like, Hey, I think you can be step up at the next level. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that just, was an interesting thing. I don't know what you think about Is it fair? I, I don't know. I, I think the portal system still needs to be tweaked out. It's only what a few years young, but I do think we have to be optimistic about who we can get in the portal, um, especially now with NIL as well. So, yeah, I mean, here's kind of a couple a couple of thoughts to come to mind. First of all, Ivy League little like pipeline, like yeah, it's kind of funny, but I mean, hey, it worked once. Let's try it again, and you know, I mean, maybe we should put together a list for for next season of potential Ivy transfers because there still could be one more class of the guys that started their freshman year at uh, an Ivy League school, which uh, their freshman year being like 2020, 2021, and then have played their sophomore and junior years, uh, and then now will play their senior year, or their, their fourth year, I guess, in college, will still have one more year of eligibility. Um, so maybe we need to put together a list of potential Loyola Chicago Ivy League transfers for the 2024-2025 season. Um but no, in, in serious about like the transfer stuff, um, I do think after, not after this season, but after next season, you're going to see another huge shift when those guys, those most of those COVID players, the, the large majority, you know, your Sheldon Edwards, like that sort of guy, 
who who their freshman year was the 2020-21 season um will be out of out of school that will be their last season um so you'll get a lot you know probably at least close to 90 to 95 percent of your guys will now just be four-year guys uh that doesn't count red shirts but um, I, I think there'll be another shift after that of uh, I think all of a sudden you'll start seeing coaches be like, no, 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 we got to keep our players. We got to keep our players. We got to make sure like they're staying all four years and develop them because they can't just go out and get any single grad transfer that's 23 years old every single year uh, mm-hmm. to come play for their team. So for now, um, I, yeah, I think I think overall the portal um, – does kind of even things out like it's real easy to sit here and be like man all the good portal players are going you know dickinson's only looking at kentucky and villanova and like timberlake only looked at kansas and yukon and like oh man such a bummer but then you look at the final four this past year and it's san diego state and fau so like i don't know i i think in all um, it seems very unfair because of NIL money, but then you get players who sat on the bench at a Power 5 school, had a lot of talent, maybe didn't see the floor the same way because their coach wasn't teaching them how they should be taught, and they, they go down to a mid-major and they explode, and they do really well. So I personally, I think the portal can be frustrating, but um, I think there's also lots of opportunity to find players who weren't getting run at other schools. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll leave my last point on this just as we joke about looking at the Ivy. Uh, the rookie of the year um, from yeah. the Ivy League is from Glen Ellen, Illinois. Just putting that out there. Just putting wait, that wait, out wait. there. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me because that's my hometown. He went to Princeton. Uh, is it Caden Pierce? Yep. Yes, it is. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there you go. So He's, funny enough, I see that. I so. really liked him. too. He went to Glenbard West. And originally, I think he was committed to, like, one of the military schools. Like, I think he was committed to, like, West Point, if I'm not mistaken. And then he might have played, like, a like a post-grad year. Or maybe he thought about it. I don't know. I do know that kid. He's he's a baller. I mean, we saw him in the tournament. Dude is a, dude well, is a baller. You, you, can start your piece, you can start your list there. But, no, I think <laughs> it was just an interesting thing to see. Um, overall, you saw like Will, uh, a player from UNC commits to Belmont, right? Yeah. Definitely two different NIL budgets there, right? So, um, and we've we've even heard about NIL offers through the great through our network. So it really is an interesting kind of full scope to be like, what is a player looking for? And and I think honestly, like you said, like some of these guys sitting on benches of big powerhouse schools are like, at this point, I want to play. It's less about like, yeah. what does my bank account look like, and be like. Well, I could have a nice bank account, but then come my senior year, I look at NBA and I look anywhere and be like, I haven't played, uh, which is it was just something you could see. So I do think um, there's many ways to kind of peel the onion back. But yeah, no matter mm-hmm. how you do it, um, it's it's a little bit different. It's going to be more than the average of two players per team. For I sure. do think transferring, but we need uh, some numbers no, I think, on that, like updated. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we've seen again. Of course, every year so far has been the record-breaking year of most transfers in the portal. Um, I believe I've seen that number tossed around this year or that statement. So, yeah, I think it's going to be something to kind of tame. And Drew, I think, is doing a decent job, um, right? We're not like, we're not going to fight for Chris Ledlum going to Tennessee. That's two different budgets, um, two yeah. different just also years they had, right? Um, Tennessee beat Duke. So the whole story is going to be an interesting one. I do think it's still time to figure it out. But I'm really liking what we're doing. And also – 
you can't just throw money at your problems. You can't just throw big names and big stars. You got to find guys that fit well. And I think coaching staff, especially coaching staff this past week, but also players, as much as Greg Dolan kind of was a surprise to me, I think it fits pretty well, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a good fit and excited for both him and Clay to be officially, well, one, to be back a rambler. Well, I guess once you're a rambler, you're always a rambler. So, Clay, mm -hmm. you're, you're always a rambler. Um, but uh, for uh, Greg to join the, join the program, it's an exciting time. Yeah, it is an exciting time. I think it's fun. You're starting to see the, the roster and the staff shape up. I'm pretty sure we'll see the staff updated, if not tomorrow. I this is we're recording this Thursday, but tomorrow, this weekend, Monday, something like that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's there's more news. Um, and then yeah, from the roster standpoint, um, my last thought, like we 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 got almost a full roster, uh, and it is in a much better spot than a lot of the other A10 teams. A lot of the other A10 teams have gotten You're speaking on truths. Uh, yeah, on Twitter, on the little spaces that, that we did with talking blurs and just saying, you guys are doing good, you're looking good, you got the full route. You know, like, I I think for a fan base, we are hesitantly uh, uh, encouraged, excited, uh, just because <laughs> last year, you know, being, being all, like, confident and then finishing dead last. So uh, this year, I think we're off to a good start. It's it's nice that we're we're not I'm not as nervous about the roster, uh, and it's it's coming along nicely, and and I think this also just proves that Drew can still get talent. At the end of the day, he can get talented players to commit to Loyola Chicago, and now it's just a matter of can he put that talent and and make it show up in the the wins the wins column next year. So yeah, that's kind of my last thoughts. But what else you got? I, I'm just excited to be talking basketball as maybe every two weeks it's going to be. Uh, mm -hmm. We got one more spot to fill. Um, and then I honestly, I'll be checking the rafters, but I am counting down the days that a certain uh, senior named Miles Rubin gets oh. to campus. Yes. I am very much excited for that. So I thought you were going to say you're counting down the days until Cameron Crutwig's jersey is hanging up in the rafters because that also needs to happen soon. That's an interesting one. That is, I mean, they might. I I do think Cam, as especially he's got the records of a lot. He's got um, the records. I mean, like Final Four, Sweet Sixteen. Like it's just everything. He's he deserves it. I think. Yeah. Period. It, nearly, it'd be interesting because you could maybe say the same thing about uh, Lucas. You could. So, you could. You could make some arguments there. But that that's a whole nother pod. Um, not a whole nother <laughs> podcast. It's just a no holder episode. Um, yeah. Hello and welcome no, to I, episode 24 where we discuss Cameron Cartwig <laughs> and Lucas Williamson's jerseys being retired. <laughs> true, oh, true. We shit. do need some off-season topics. Though, we do. Yeah. That could be a good one. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we're excited. Again, we'll, uh, we still haven't, like we've said, once we, I think, figure out this roster and maybe a coaching spots, um, we'll, of course, do recaps. Um, mm -hmm. And then that once we have a full roster, we could maybe give – um, not predictions on uh, kind of like what they're going to do, but like maybe what uh, rotations and stuff, um, mm -hmm. the normal uh, year end kind of review and pre review um, into the following year. So, yeah, again, yeah. happy to always be talking about it. Never, never a dull moment when it comes to uh, talking loyal basketball. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that'll do it. I think here from Buck and Lou. So thank you all for listening and don't forget, always remember go blurs.